Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I am very excited to have a repeat guest here today, Rachel Barge, who is a founder and growth marketer at LeapGrow. Rachel, thank you so much for joining again. What's up, Matt? Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. So for the folks that didn't hear the first episode, can we get the quick high level on you and then we'll go ahead and jump into the topic? Sweet. Yes. I'm Rachel. I'm a growth marketer. I help companies with interesting growth problems. I do it independently through a little group I created called LeapGrow. Yeah, we help companies figure out where their worst growth problems are and we solve those and we help unlock scalable growth using things like website optimization, Facebook ads, Google ads, all the tools. We use them all. Awesome. And we talked the last time and I told you and many other folks and those listening that you are super legit and I had to have you back. And so you reached out to me with uh, another podcast topic, which you said was all about like writing things down. And at first I, I was like, all right, well, that's cool. But like, how does it really relate to growth and all that? But we dug into it more. Yeah. <laughs> like we, that we sounds in... like a really boring topic. <laughs> it sounds so boring. But after talking it out with you, I think it's it's actually so much more critical than it seems. Cause I'm one of those people, and I know you're gonna talk about this a little bit. I'm one of those people that's like pretty averse to like it just feels like a lot of work and all that. And our profession and growth, growth marketing, product related growth roles, like we all operate really fast. And so the lean is always towards just getting the thing done and moving on to the next thing to drive results. But there is so much value in the documentation process of it. And so why don't why don't you tell us about your journey to this world where you're all about documentation and writing stuff down, and then we'll dig into some examples and what documentation looks like. Yeah, totally. And I just, this topic jumped out to me because... I realized that like, I was so averse to this in the past. I was like, why would you write stuff down? What a waste of time. You know, like every hour that I could be out executing, if I'm spending that time writing it down in a document, I'm not actually producing results. So like, like never going to do it. It's been strange to me because now that's such a foundational tool in how I work. And I kind of wanted to spend some time shooting the breeze with you, Matt, talking about why, why that is. And I figured we should probably like get all the objections out of the way up front. Right. It's just like, you're probably like, I don't want to write things down. Like I want to go out and execute. That's a waste of time. Maybe another objection is even if I write stuff down, you know, no one's going to read it. Like it's just going to sit in a Google drive folder. My boss isn't going to look at it. Waste of time. Maybe writing things down feels boring and hard, or like you don't know what to write down. We're going to talk about just like how I use writing things down as a critical part of my process for how I rehabilitate and improve companies' growth trajectories. And I hate the word documentation. I hate the word process. I'm not a process-oriented person natively. And yet this has still become one of the most important things that I do in my profession. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. And you have seen, because you work with so many companies, you have seen both the world where there is no documentation and they've been operating, they're spending tons of money on on ads, but there's like no nothing written down about like, what are they trying to do with that? And then another world where the documentation is there and it's clear and it's been there for a while and people use it. Can you talk us through one of those examples of where you showed up and things weren't written down and changed your, changed your worldview? Yeah, totally. And I've had a couple of different clients over the years that have very dramatic, different cultures and attitudes towards writing things down and documentation. And like, 
Actually, the one that probably really turned me on into the world of documentation was a company that is run by a CEO who's kind of like a scion of business. Like he he invented key terms like product market fit. He's like a legend in Silicon Valley. And his company just runs like clockwork, you know? And it's like, they don't launch anything without just like this pristine, incredible clarity of like, what are they doing and why? And kind of when I got embedded in that culture, I realized, wow, like there's really something here. Like this company runs at a a level that's like a lot better than a lot of companies that I've worked for in the past. And so that got me interested. I think I had to be, start living inside a culture that valued that. And then conversely, I've had clients in the past where I get dropped into their growth team. They're spending a million dollars a month on paid marketing on Facebook and Google and other channels. And I start asking, you know, all right, help me understand the conversion funnel. Where are the documents I can read to like understand all the key conversion events? And people are like blinking at me being like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And and I'm like, okay, let's, let me ask, like, this is the event that all of our paid dollars are driving to. Like every time we drive onto the, someone to the website, we're trying to drive and measure the performance of people completing this conversion event. Like how is that event defined? How does it fire in the database? Like what does the user have to do to trigger that event? and getting different answers from like four different people (laughs) attending meetings where we're discussing, you know, what the growth team is doing. And there's no reporting on like how much we're spending in each channel. What are the conversions we're driving in each channel? What has been the performance of those channels comparatively? What's the channel strategy? None of it written down, just kind of like roving meetings, just talking about stuff. And when you've been inside like a high documentation culture, a tight culture, a performance culture, and then you go into a culture like that, the comparison is really stark and it, it really impacts the results you're able to drive as a growth team. So I think having been inside both as a consultant has helped me as part of what changed my attitude on this. One of the things that we were talking through is that before we jumped on here is that there's a bunch of different levels of documentation and kind of what good looks like on each of those. So I think it might be really useful if we talk through what those are for the people listening so they can attach maybe something that they're working on now to, all right, I am missing documentation at this level and this level, or, huh, no wonder my life has been really hard because of this. It's because I'm missing like good documentation on this angle. So why don't we like start at the highest level and work our way down? Yeah, that sounds great. And I think I will just say that, you know, to me, documentation and writing things down, it's not the goal. It's like a tool that you use to get towards the goal. And so you should never just be doing it for the sake of doing it. You should never be doing it as like a performative act. This is not kindergarten. You don't have a kindergarten teacher. It's not a homework assignment. If you have that relationship to it, it will never be meaningful to you. It will only be meaningful to you if you if it provides utility to your work and to your life. And before we dig into the levels, just one aspect of the utility it can provide to you that I think is really important is like, for me, it's actually armor. It's like a weapon that I use. And I say, when I document what I do and what my team's strategy is, I'm creating a defensible zone of what we work on. And I'm actively pushing against requests that we work on other things. I'm saying like, no, no, this is what we're doing. And this is why. And don't ask me to do other stuff because this is the most important stuff. It's clearly like we defend it here. A common thing that I see with with teams that I join is that they're working on like 39 different things and only 10 of those things have real utility. 
but they don't have an ability to defend and to try to say like, and to try to narrow in on the stuff that works the best. And so documentation starting at the highest level and working your way down can be a tool you use to kind of get things off your plate and focus on the stuff that's the most important, which I think there's probably a lot of us out there that'd be like, yeah, I'd love to drop the 25% least efficient things off my plate so that I could focus on the stuff that really matters. So that's another reason that going through this, like this exercise is important, I think. Yeah, I saw just from my own experience, I used to work at HubSpot and I worked with Brian Balfour and he is a fierce advocate for documentation and like really clear process. And I watched how well that worked in his ability to give his team the space to really be autonomous. Like it gave him at any moment in time, a folder of every single experiment that his team was doing, like why they were doing it and all that, that he can pull at any point in time. So if anyone was saying, well, why, why are we doing this thing? Or well, like, what is the team working on? Like he just had it at his fingertips. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's start at the top. Well, I laugh too, because I also have, I've been to the church of Brian Balfour. I was in the Reforge program with him, the very first one, which is a professional growth program in San Francisco. And like, they had a lot of different documentation tools as part of that program. And I just like, I have to be honest, like I wasn't ready. You know, I was just like, I was like, this is a bunch of crap. Like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't need this. This is just overhead. It's extra it's work. Just, it's just extra yeah. work. <laughs> and now here I am just like, this is essential. You must write things down. So. Right, right. The team swore yeah. by it. They, they were like, yeah. I couldn't operate without this. Yeah. And you know, the reason was Brian Balfour, like he plays in the big leagues. He's working at a company that's like trying to do a huge amount of stuff. And so he has to have that. And I like, yeah. I didn't ha- I wasn't in the big leagues yet, but I am now. So now I write things are. down. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, I mean, let's just think about like, what it means to be doing this work, whether you're a growth, you're on the growth team, you're on the user acquisition team, maybe you're in the product team, but like you have a set amount of hours every day to apply towards your company's objectives. And if you're the CEO of your company, you're like every single person in my company, they are the resource we're using to move the ball forward and to drive the results we need to drive. So most, most companies at least have like written down what their mission or their mandate is as a company. They'll be like, we are here to do X in the world. And most companies also go through a process of developing their OKRs or their sort of specific goals that ladder up to that mission or mandate. And so I'm just going to say like at the highest level, in terms of writing something down, like hopefully you work for a company that's like, we exist to do this in the world. And that's why we're here. That level of of documentation is great because it it organizes you in a sense of like what you're here to do every day when you show up to your job, but your team itself should also have its own mission or mandate. And that's really the first level I want growth marketers to focus on is like, if you're the growth team, does every single person on the growth team know at a gut level, this is what we're here to do for our company? Maybe yes, maybe no. Some companies have a growth team and a marketing team and a product team and you know a data science team <laughs> it's like what are the differences between those teams like what is the growth team uniquely here to do what is our mission and our mandate is our number one mandate driving new users into the top of the funnel is our number one mandate sitting alongside data science and actually figuring out the most important areas that we could sort of make improvements in the conversion funnel is the growth team's job to like mine and reactivate existing customers like the mandate of any growth team might be very different depending on on what company you're in. And so 
if you're a growth leader, even if you're the one growth person, even if you're like half time the growth person and half time the marketing person or product marketing person, it can be nice to set aside a little bit of time and just be like, at the highest level, what am I here to contribute to in this company? What is the unique thing that I'm tasked to do that no one else in the company is focused on? And that's really like my zone. So that's the first area to encourage you to think about like your mission, your mandate of your team as it relates to the other you know units inside your company. And, and here's the thing with that that I want to double down on is if you are not documenting the mandate and mission of your team yourself, then everyone else at your organization is going to associate their own definition on what you're doing and then expect that you're doing one or all of the 25 different things that a growth person or growth team could be doing. Oh my God, Matt, I'm so glad you said that. Like, that's what we call controlling the narrative, right? It's like, if you don't define what your team does, other people will define what your team does. And actually, five other people with different definitions will define what your team does. And they will constantly hammer you with requests to do things that they want you to do that may or may not be what you want to do, that may or may not be important to you. And so, having a mandate for your team and having a clear definition around it is a weapon to be like, Oh man, thank you so much, you know, customer support. I really appreciate that you want us to do that, but this is the mandate of our team and it doesn't really fit into our operating model. Let me refer you to our friends over at product and they'd be happy to help you with that or whatever it is. But I see those kinds of things happening where you you can lose control of what your team is for and then you just end up doing like a whole bunch of things like don't relate to <laughs> up to one kind of central strategy. All right. So you just touched on strategy there. So there's like the the existence of your team. So there's that level of, of documentation, but then there's this strategy, like what are we doing in the next like six or so months? Yeah, exactly. So it's all well and good to have a mandate. Hey, we're here to bring in new users. We're here to convert those users. We're here to get the best cost of new user we can get. But like, what's our actual strategy to do that? Like, how are we going to go do that? What are the channels we're going to use to do that? What are the chief insights we have about the most important ways to do that. I've seen companies where they will organize around kind of a six month strategy. That's like, we are going to go really hard at driving users into like this part of our product. Cause we have this hypothesis that that's the best place for a new user to start. And we're going to really focus on increasing like the volume and the efficiency that we could drive of getting people into that part of the product. That's our high level strategy. And then everything we're doing in the channels and all of our work projects kind of roll up to support that strategy. And when you write that strategy down, the benefit is that when people propose like, Hey, I'd love to go run like this random experiment over here that has nothing to do with that. You can be like, Oh, that's such a great idea, except it doesn't really fit into our strategy. So should we really spend a month of our resources working on that when we know that ultimately we're here to kind of hammer away at this. And so again, it helps you focus and it helps. It also helps you understand like, how do your channels and how do your individual initiatives kind of play together and how do they work together to like move the needle on, on the things that you're trying to do as a team? Yep. So you got your like company mission, your team mission and mandate, and then you have your strategy. It feels like these three things could be in like a one pager document, right? But then it feels like the next level is where you get more detailed, which is like around your channel. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that, Matt. Like those could be all a one pager. Like we are not like doing brain surgery here. Like 
If you feel like you don't have time to spend to write down on one piece of paper, one single digital page, those things, like I just question, like, (laughs) it's like, what else is more important than that? And it doesn't have to be a ton of work. So, but when we get into the channels, this is where being more robust can be really helpful um, because the channels are kind of where that's where the magic happens, right? That's where the results happen. That's where a lot of the work is done. You know, I've had the opportunity to step in and kind of become like the cross channel sort of like director of user acquisition for some of my clients. And so in some cases, I'm working with individual channel managers on their team to be like, all right, you're the paid search person and you're the snap person and you're the Facebook person. And when I sit down and I work with those people, it's like, cool, what's going on in your channel? Like, what's your plan? What are we doing here? Why are we doing it this way? What have you learned? What are we going to do next? How are we going to improve costs 20% in the next two months? And I've worked with channel managers who are like, they can answer those questions in like, it flows out of their mouth, just like a fluid, (laughs) beautiful (laughs) progression of concrete things that they've clearly thought about. And I've also worked with channel managers where like those questions cause them to just like completely freeze in their (laughs) steps and just be like, uh, I don't really have, you know, organized thinking around that. Or they just give me like little half answers like, oh, we kind of do this and we kind of do that. And we've tried that audience and we've tried that audience. And even being like, how much are you spending? And being like, oh, let me, you know, I'd have to go look that up. And I'm like, okay, but like your job is to be the channel manager. Like I kind of expect you to know, like, this is what I'm spending. This is what the results we're getting. This is the cost per result. Like this is how I'm working to improve it. My favorite channel managers of which I am oftentimes a channel manager for a company, really take the time to like document and clarify their plan for their channel so that when those types of questions come up from me or from others, they are adept at answering them. And then more importantly, that they actually use that document as a touchstone to continually evolve their thinking and improve the channel. So it's very common, for example, for me and another consulting partner that I have to own and operate like Facebook advertising for, for like a large client that's spending half a million dollars a month, something like that in the channel. We use, we've named them like Facebook flight docs. And we basically, every time we do like a large build inside Facebook, we actually sit down and document everything we're planning to do with that build. Which landing page are we driving the traffic to? What's the conversion optimization technique in the campaigns? What are all the audiences we're running against? What's the daily budget? What's the creative we're running? We get it all in there. And it's not a book report we're producing for our boss. It's like a living document that actually captures our best thinking and our best learning. And we frequently are like updating it and editing it and using it to inform our next build. And so it's sort of like, it's like, I kind of don't know how we would have a meeting about what we're planning to do without that document, you know, because it just sort of, it's the home of everything we're doing. At the same time, I've, I've encountered other folks that I've worked with, or even sometimes agencies that I've had to work with, where it's like, we ask them to document their build. And they're just like, we, we don't do that. You know, <laughs> we just go build it. And then, you know, you'll see what's in there once it's built. And that's like, you know, it's nice to write it down in advance. It helps clarify your thinking. Would you say that if there is no other level that you're accurately documenting, this is the one that you need to be sure that you are actually keeping track of and writing down? 
I think so, because it's a level that's very specific and it's tactical. It, it's, you know, channels are where the dollars get spent, right? It's like every single day, your company dollars are going out the door into these digital channels to drive growth. And if you have no documentation about what's happening in your channel, and then like your CFO comes in and is like, I want to know what's going on here. You're kind of screwed. <laughs> um, you're going to have to write that thing like really late at night <laughs> and get it to them. It's going to be painful and you won't have had the credibility of just being like, oh yeah, we have just like 18 months of like <laughs> documentation about what we've done. But here's like the highest level memo of like what this channel does in our acquisition stack and why we operate it this way. Here you go. You know, and it's like, Either you've earned your CFO's trust or they're just like, wow, you know, this UA team is out of hand. Like we should probably cut their budget because like it's unclear what they're doing. Yep. And then one level further down than that, to me, it feels like what was one of Brian Belfort's cornerstones was his like experimentation docs, like the specific here is the number before, here is the number after all that. Do you want to touch on that piece? Yeah, definitely. And I think this this can fall. You can use this for experiments. You can use this for sort of special initiatives or projects. And it's kind of like, if you have a new hypothesis and a new insight around something you think that could move the needle for what you're trying to do, the the result you're trying to drive as a growth team, it's so beneficial to actually capture your hypothesis and capture your rationale for like, why are we going to spend time spinning up this landing page spinning up this new sort of multi-step acquisition experience. What is the benefit that we think it's going to drive? What is our actual quantitative, you know, best guess or forecast about what it will do? What's our hypothesis? How are we going to measure it? And let's capture just some of the high level details of like what it actually is. Because if you do that every time you run an experiment, then you do end up getting a library of like everything that you've tried. And so then as new people get added to your team and they're like, well, have you thought of this? And you're just like, oh, let me show you. And you just like open up the library and you're like, here you go. Here's everything we've tried. Here's what we've learned. And referring back to that client that has a very like effective high documentation culture. I mean, they have everything that they've done and tried really well organized. And it made it easy for us to like slot right in and just like get to work on, you know, moving things forward for them. It made my onboarding really easy into that company. And Yeah, I just, it's like so strange when you encounter a situation where, you know, a team has spent weeks working on something and then the thing they produce like doesn't perform very well. And then it's like, well, why did we even do that? Like, what was the point? What was our thinking behind what we thought it would do? And it's like, if it's not written down, then it really becomes like pointing fingers or like, you just don't know. And so it's really nice to sort of get your thinking out in advance. And it, it really actually improves the actual thing that you go build, which is great. Yep. Because it forces you to really consider, is this thing actually going to work? And then get yourself the data to back it up because you go into it knowing that if this doesn't work later, I want to be able to justify the thought process that went in and I didn't just waste my time. Yeah. And like one of the best things that can happen is that you start the process of like ironing out what you want to do. And then you actually realize it has a fatal flaw And then you pull the plug and you don't do it. And you're like, well, all we lost was like the time we spent kind of clarifying our thinking and writing stuff down. We didn't lose the time of actually building. We didn't lose the engineering time, the marketing time, the design time. (laughs) All we lost was like our time evaluating this as a thing. And that's much less expensive than, you know, producing the whole thing and then having it fail. And that gets me to 
one of my favorite quotes from like a mentor that I've worked with, but, and this, this comes apparently from the company PNG, the big like CPG company, but one of their internal values is writing clarifies thinking. And I think that is the most distilled way to describe why writing things down is important because it will clarify your thinking. And if you clarify your thinking, whatever it is you're working on will inherently be better than if you didn't take the time to clarify your thinking. Yeah. So then now you're in this world where you are all about it. You see the value in it. So many benefits. What does overkill look like? What does going too far look like? Yeah, I think that overkill is where every little thing you ever possibly work on or do has to be documented. Like that sounds terrible. You know, we write down these big Facebook builds that we do, but if we had to go document every time we like adjust a budget or turn an ad set off, I mean, that would be so painful, right? It's like, we just try to keep it high level, clear, useful, but not a chore. It doesn't feel like a chore to me. I used to think writing this down was a chore. The reason it felt like a chore is because it wasn't adding utility to my work. Now the writing that I do is literally just like, I'm like, well, we can't even get started on this until we actually clarify what we're trying to do here. Let's use this as a tool during our meeting to kind of figure it out. And then that's all we do. We don't do more than that. You know, we just do the right amount to like make sure we're on the right track and then we just go execute. So if it feels like a chore, you're probably doing too much of it. If you are, you know, constantly having to update documents, it's probably too much. If literally no one in your company reads it and it provides no useful value in any meeting or any touch point you have with anyone else, then sure, stop doing it, you know? But I think if you find, if you start doing the right level of it, it will provide value. And yeah, you know, it's it's a nuanced thing. I'm, I'm really not someone who's like, everyone must always use the same type of documentation on a growth team, no matter what. It's something you should figure out the right methods that work for you. But the worst thing you can do is write nothing down. And I see that like 80% of the time. (laughs) So, yep. So any, I think this feels like a a pretty good place to tie it all up. Any other parting thoughts for the folks listening? Or do you feel like you covered all the main stuff that you wanted to? Yeah, I think the last thing I would say is that I'm going to wager, I guess, especially if you're an in-house full-time person on a growth team or on a marketing team you are probably doing too many things. Over time, more and more things have been added to your plate and they've just kind of like gotten added and added and added. And it's like, if you were a computer, your RAM is full. You're (laughs) you're at your max capacity and writing and clarifying your thinking and, and really revisiting your sort of core strategy can be a really powerful tool in just like getting stuff off your plate and really focusing in on the things that matter. And I would just encourage you to use that as, as a tool to help help you do less, like do less, accomplish more. One of my, I have a good friend that just took over like a CMO role in a company and I, I didn't know he got into the role and I checked in with him four months after he started there and just as a catch up and was like, you know, what did you do in your first four months? Like, how did it go? And he just said, you know, I walked in and I realized everyone on the marketing and growth team was doing way too many things and half of it was useless and not working, but they felt like they had to do it. And so all I did for the first four months was I just 
got people to stop doing things. And I got them to clarify what they were actually should be focused on. That's all I did. And I was like, you're a boss. That's what a really seasoned veteran leader does in a situation like that. And, you know, so to anybody who listened to this, use documentation as a tool to stop doing the things that you don't need to be doing anymore and to clarify the most important things that you want to do. And hopefully your work, your work life will get better if you do that. All right. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining again. I always enjoy chatting with you and I know our listeners enjoy it as well. So thank you again. Thanks, Matt. It was awesome. See you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. And for all of you listening, if you were a fan of this episode or other episodes, hit that subscribe button. I would super appreciate it. If you have any thoughts, questions, whatever it is, my email is mattadrift.com. If you're a fan, I would super appreciate a written review on favorite podcast app. And with that, I will see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.